Hey everyone, and welcome to Today's News Tonight, the weeknight news show where we're joined by special guests and our wonderful patrons to discuss the day's gaming news. I'm your host, Ash Paulson, and I'm joined today by Derek Bittner, Steve Bowling, and our very special guest, She Says, of the mega-popular Boundary Break. So, uh, let's go ahead and get started, but as I promised you guys in the pre-show, there's my obligatory mega-mention mega of the show, just in case I can't work out anything else in there. Come on, Ash, you know you'll be able to work something in there as we go on. Maybe. It has Maybe. To. Well, I guess at some point we can talk about the fact that uh, I would love to do another Mega Man episode of Boundary Break, which she says. So and it'll happen, there you go. Sure. But uh, how's it going, man? Thanks so much for joining us. It's going great. Uh, again, I'm in great company as we speak. So the day's going amazingly. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about some news with you guys. Yeah, Same. Well, well, let's get right into it then. And uh, I would say the biggest story of the day, of course, is that the Game Award nominees were revealed for this year. And, uh, we, we, of course, we won't go through all of them because there are like 25 million different categories. Yeah. But uh, the most important category, Game of the Year, well, sorry, the most important category next to Best Music of the Year, obviously. <laughs> no. Um, category, uh, yeah, Game of the Year, most important category. The nominees are Animal Crossing New Horizons, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two. Um, so, thoughts, guys? How do you how do you feel about this lineup of nominees? From what I understand, it's a pretty solid list. The funny thing is, I've only played yeah. one of the games on that list, which is Final Fantasy VII wow. Remake. I played a, a, <laughs> a week's worth of Animal Crossing, and I've wanted to play all the other games on that list. Just yeah. haven't. Yeah, I previewed Doom Eternal, and I really enjoy what I play, but I never got a chance to actually play the full game. I uh, played a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima for a stream that Steve and I did a little uh, a couple of weeks back, and I'm still about, I'd say, halfway through Last of Us Part Two, maybe a little more than halfway, um, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit, but for me, I mean, yeah, the only game I've fully played on this list is Final Fantasy VII Remake, and based on what I played of The Last of Us Part Two, FF7 Remake is still my game of the year so far, but I am going to try to finish Last of Us before the end of the year so I can have a you know better idea of, of my true game of the year mm-hmm. opinion. Um, I have not played Hades. I keep hearing about Hades, but and I want to try it, but I don't know that much about it. But people love it. It's a roguelike game. and uh, Okay, that's yeah, what it's I thought. A, it's a highly stylized one. I think that's why people are so attached to it. Mm-hmm. Like there's really good art direction, really good voice acting, and solid sound design. Um, and... Uh, it's got a lot of great concepts too. Like one of the the features to it is like each time you clear a room, you can kind of see ahead of time what your rewards are going to be if you choose option A or option B or whatever. And oh. um, yeah, each time you clear that room, you get nice. that reward and it makes your character that much stronger. Every time you die, you lose all those power-ups. And I think you can get checkpoints to hold on to things. But mm. um, but yeah, it's cool. It's like basically stacking your power and the odds get like increasingly stacked against you as well. So the tension runs high and the game is just all around it's really great again i don't know if it's game of the year (laughs) i I think Uh it's really good and it came out of nowhere same way like fall guys kind of did in a way but Mm -hmm. like uh i don't know not me i think that probably again i played animal crossing i think that's great too i don't think that it's a perfect package though there was certainly complaints i had with it Mm. uh, as much as i loved it um you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I don't know. I wasn't personally in love with it. I thought it was going to be, but I didn't like some of the 
I know that I've watched your episodes recently, so I know you guys love the the twist. Yeah, but I, yes, I'm one of those people that falls on the opposite spectrum of that, and that's fair. Like it was fair a betrayal, totally. But fair. um, yeah, Last of Us Two, I didn't play, but like what happened was was I played the first game. And I found myself not in love with the gameplay, but in love with the story. So for the second game, I just watched all the story. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and I could—I actually do think the story is very emotional and impactful, and I—I I liked it. Um, so what you know, whether or not that constitutes as a valid opinion on whether or not it should be game of the year, maybe, maybe not. But like, um, I think that a lot more people have been talking about Ghost of Tsushima in a positive way than any other game on this list. Doom Eternal, I did get to play because of the Boundary Break episode, and that nice. is an incredibly fun game. Yeah. It's very Metroid-y, I hmm. think. Right? Really? It is, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed yeah. that, too, when I previewed it. It very much is. And the uh, the whole focus on ammo management is is proven to be very divisive. I liked it when I, when I previewed it, but it is a very different feeling from uh, Doom 2016. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's probably why that was a little more divisive is because... 2016 just kind of knocked it out of the park. Everyone unanimously liked that game, and they decided to go with something a little bit different. And to me, I felt like it kind of added a lot more depth to the series. But like, it, I guess there is a a chunk of fans that didn't really particularly like what they did with um, Eternal, surprisingly. Hmm. So, yeah. I, I personally think that it's out of all those games, the gameplay of Doom Eternal is probably the strongest out of all of them. And uh-huh. as far as story goes. I didn't play Ghost of Tsushima, um, so you guys will probably have to fill in the blank there for me, but I can hear great things, and Last of Us 2 um, has a really strong story in my opinion, and so if I was to wager a guess who's going to win, because usually these things kind of go in the favor of which game gives you an emotional impact, Mm. um, and also presentation, of course, um, Ghost of Tsushima or Last of Us 2, I think, is probably the strongest bet on my end, I think. Just as a guess, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I don't you know played... if you hear that rumbling. What's that Sorry, Derek. I don't know if you hear that rumbling outside your house. She says, but that's the internet coming to eviscerate you for saying something nice about, about the last part. How dare, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, how dare you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah right. I, I think out of all of us, you've probably played the most games on this list, right? Right, Steve. Yeah, I'm in a unique position where I've played five out of the six of these. Wow. So, um, mm-hmm. I I played. A good chunk of Doom Eternal because, uh, oddly enough, like I'm one of the like nine people on the entire internet that reviewed Stadia, so <laughs> they sent me a free copy of it to play on Stadia, and I was like, okay, you know, and it, it was a good distraction. Then it came to Game Pass, so I picked it up there and started playing it on my Xbox. Um, obviously, you know, I, I reviewed Final Fantasy VII Remake, I reviewed Ghost of Tsushima, I reviewed The Last of Us Part Two, and I reviewed Animal Crossing. So. <laughs> Man, I every a ga- lot of these. Every game you reviewed <laughs> yeah. ended up in the Game of the Year category, so yeah, there you I, go. Yeah, I review the good ones, apparently. The only game I haven't played at all is Hades, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, so I'm going to make the internet mad for a couple of reasons right now. <laughs> One, I think Hades is on here because of recency bias. I think it is a hugely mm-hmm. popular game, that, and I'm not saying yeah. it's not a good game, but I wonder, like, I look at it and I, I, I feel like it lacks that something that, that pushes it into Game of the Year well, for one thing, that it's game not a AAA game. Category. It's like the only one on the list that's like an indie game, which is weird. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I mean, again, without having played it, it's it's real hard to make a fair assessment, right? That's just my gut. Um, 
like Celeste, I think at least had a powerful message, and it was a game of the year nominee last year, I think, or two yeah, years it was. ago. Mm. Yeah, the and I think that at least yeah. carried carried with it a really powerful message. Uh, so I could understand its inclusion. Plus, it was a hard as hell platformer. Mm. <laughs> um, so people yeah. sunk lots of time into it. Animal Crossing again is another weird one for me. I think in any year where we were allowed out of the house. The Animal Crossing probably wouldn't be on the list. Um, sure. It, that that being mm-hmm. said, it's it's a great game for me though. The Last of Us Two definitely takes it. Like I had, I find it interesting when I'm playing a game and the game forces me into situations that I don't want to be in, but manages to walk that fine line of of kind of turning me off emotionally, but keeping the controller in my hand. And I think The Last of Us Two is the is is one of the only games that's done that in a very long while for me, but only the only game on this list for sure. Uh, Tsushima is an excellent game. I platinumed it. I very rarely like continue wow. the trophy hunt after I've reviewed and finished a game, but mm-hmm. I did platinum it. But it, to me, it's more like a, like a really good action flick and not like a, you know, I, I think the comparison I made a while back was I'm not going to go back in 10 years and be like, wow, let me boot up Ghost of Tsushima again. Like the, you know, it's not one of those put it on the shelf and and pull it down every now and then to relive it kind of games where I I think for me personally, the last of us two is definitely one of those. I I think that's, that's, that's seems to be a common thing with sucker punch games because infamous when I, all three infamous games, when I picked them up, I enjoyed them. I played them to the like a hundred percent wanted to do everything, really enjoyed it. Never went back to any of them. Never felt the need to replay any of them. And it's just one of those things like, okay, you get your fill and, I'm good. I don't need to come back and see how it's all going. And I, I, I guess Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima is very much like that as well. Um, but it's it's funny how Platinums can sort of indicate, like, you put in that time, you were addicted that much, and, like, that's my game of the year. And that, that's Final Fantasy VII yeah. Remake for me, because I played through it twice, so I could get that, because you have to in order to get that hard <laughs> mode. And I did that whole thing, the, the guide of how to do all the dresses, which is the biggest pain in the neck ever because oh, you gotta replay remember, those yeah. sections to show off all the different dresses and it's like thanks <laughs> it's just like that's yeah. the stupidest yeah. one i'm oh, honestly God. happy just to see ff7 remake on here just because mm-hmm. you know it was pretty divisive for various reasons and i feel like square enix games because they tend to be you know cater to a very specific crowd they sometimes get snubbed and i i am really happy to see it here at all not that the game awards are you know that important in the grand scheme no. of things but it is nice to see it represented here. I don't think it's going to win. I do uh, agree with you. She says that probably the strongest bets, uh, if I had to guess who's going to win, I think it's going to be The Last of Us Part Two, or maybe Ghost of Tsushima. But I, I'm I'm leaning toward The Last of Us Part Two, And I, mean, I almost hope it is, just so I can see the internet get pissed off about it. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think Animal Crossing has a good shot. Just because it was it, sort yeah, of okay. yeah. it was sort of the game of 2020. Everybody picked it up. Everybody was talking about it. It just sort of carried us through that really rough time. And granted, it is it did blow up mainly because of the circumstances it was released in. But that's got to count for something because See, yeah. Now, if, if it weren't yeah. for the verbiage on the site, I would agree with you 100%. But they say it, it's recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. So that, to me, leans into, like, they're they're talking about the quality of the game. And I think Animal Crossing, for as fun as it is and engaging as it is, and for as many new people as it brought into gaming this year, 
it definitely like you can anybody that's played it for more than an hour can point out at least three or four quality of life changes they could make to make it Mm -hmm. an easier Mm -hmm. more streamlined experience like go to the freaking airport (laughs) and talk to someone and you'll realize instantly you're like wow if i was developing this menu i would change this fast and we're we're almost uh what eight months on and it's still the same yeah, I was just yeah. talking to A Plus Start about this, and he was like, "I just booted up like yesterday, and I, I, why is it so cumbersome just to make fish bait? You know, still, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so many simple things they could do to make it a, a much more refined experience, and it's just weird. Like, I even, I mean, eight months ago in my review, I called it out. I'm like, there are parts of this game that feel refreshing and new, and parts of this game that feel like they just locked their design in back in 2001 on the GameCube and just have kept going. So, yeah, I, I would, mm-hmm. I hope that we get those QOL changes, but it to me at least, you know that that is a a tough pill to swallow i'm not saying any of these games are perfect though none of them none of them i can point to and be like 10 out of 10 no notes don't change anything so i mean animal crossing has a legit shot but i would say it's to me the labored point i'm trying to make here is that it's kind of a game that defines 2020 uh, but i wouldn't necessarily call it my game of the year for 2020 if that makes sense that's fair that's fair the hard part for me about the last of us part two is as much as i'm enjoying it i have found that the the gameplay as good as it is and it, it is great gameplay it feels so similar to the first game that it just isn't standing out to me i guess it, it's great it, it's a great game but it's not it, it uh the gameplay aspect of it doesn't stand out to me as much as something like ff7 remake because that battle system to me in that game truly was a revelation for what they were going for and i and i think square enix really really nailed the battle system in general there there are a few things i would change but gameplay-wise, the game that stands out to me most here is FF7 Remake, just because I wasn't expecting them to go with the battle, the battle system they did and nail it the way they did. Battle system, honestly, is the best part of Final Fantasy VII Remake, if, oh, right. if not one of yeah. I mean, I can agree with that, too. Yeah, I would, I would too. say, if you're, if you're talking strictly moment-to-moment gameplay mechanics, this, for me, would be a fight between FF7 Remake and Doom Eternal like mm-hmm. yeah those two games like are are exhilarating to play every second you're playing them yeah so mm-hmm. yeah the battle system right. like doom eternal is is the kind of game where when i finally hit some downtime i have to i find myself catching my breath and <laughs> ff7 remake is like when you're when you're in full-on battle i don't think yeah. any game controls better on this list yeah i agree yeah. i agree between the, between um, the two i would pick doom eternal um, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. Gameplay wise, you just nailed it. I'm just repeating what you just said. A hundred percent. Yeah, those two fair. games are are the most uh, top tier in terms of gameplay. I think. Well, combat because Animal Crossing certainly does have a lot going on. I mean, the fact that I think I have like 500 hours in Animal Crossing. Oh my god! Horizons, and and I stopped playing wow. that months ago. Yeah. So That's, there was a wow. long period of time where I was I was sucked into this game. So if a game can get me to play 500 hours, they're doing something right with the gameplay, for yeah, sure. that's for sure. Yeah. I wish but... I had more time and experience with Ghost of Tsushima, uh, just because I really liked what I pl- uh, what I played like, the first three hours or so, and I had a great time with the multiplayer with Steve. That was a blast. Yeah. Um, but, and I just, I really want to play more of it, because that, that could stand a chance of being, you know, my game of the year if I had. Uh, funny story about Ghost of Tsushima, though. Uh, my my wife had n- literally no like context for it whatsoever when I started talking about it. So when I, I got that code from you, Steve, to do the multiplayer stream, and I started booting it up. She's like, 
what's this? And I said, oh, it's Ghost of Tsushima. She's like, wait, it is? And I'm like, yeah, why? And she's like, I had no idea what it was or, or how you even spelled Tsushima out of context. So I, she thought it was a sequel or at least related to Sushi Striker. So she <laughs> thought it was like a, a game about sushi. And oh my so God. she sees this really dark, violent, gritty, you know, samurai game. She's like, what is this? I'm like, oh, Ghost of Tsushima. That's not sushi. So I thought that that was a really good moment. <laughs> Wow. I, I kind of want that, though. I want a sushi version of Ghost of Tsushima now. Like, I think that sounds like a blast. Okay. That sushi I don't know how it would work. Yeah. yeah, that would be exactly the kind of weird DLC that would be right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just running through the rest of the list here, a couple of highlights. Best multiplayer, we have both Among Us, which is funny because it's a 2018 game, mm. and Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, both of which I would say deserve to be there. Um, Among Us, I bounced off hard. It is not my kind of game, but I do have a weekly Monday multiplayer session with a couple of my best buds uh, for Fall Guys. Every Monday night we play Fall Guys and have a few drinks and have a blast. Mm. That's awesome, yeah. So that's I, I, I saw a lot fun. of people uh, very upset that um, Origami King did not get nominated for Best Soundtrack. I was about to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. And not just Best Score of Music, it also got, in my opinion, snubbed from Best Art Direction because that game oh, yeah. is truly gorgeous to, to behold. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do feel like Origami King got snubbed in both art direction and music. The music especially. God, that sound... Like, I didn't think that anything would come even close to eclipsing F7 Remake for me music musically. And Origami King made me think twice about it. And I'm still playing it. So, it's a shame. Um, but I just don't think... Or- Origami King isn't, the unfortunately, the kind of game that I think gets considered. Yeah. They, they like, like their orchestras so. and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Which is, it's funny because the, the Origami King was, the whole soundtrack was done by like a live band. It's fantastic. But what are you going to do? Um, yeah. I, I best will say. Game, I, 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 on there, Carrie. I, I was just Go looking ahead. at this. I have a friend who every time the Oscars comes around, he uh, watches all the nominees just so we can have an informed opinion about the movies. And that's, you know, it seems kind of fun. It's like, I wish I could at least do the same for the game of the year, like nominees, but I just, there's no way I have the time. It's one of those yeah, things like say, if I can marathon through and like have that to, idea, but to be fair, to be, watch all the nominees for the Oscars is maybe a couple days worth of effort. Yeah, like, exactly. Like if you marathon yeah. those movies, you've got maybe 12 to 15 hours of, of movie viewing ahead of you. You will be halfway through final fantasy seven remake <laughs> in that same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised to see Marvel's Iron Man VR here and best VR slash AR game because I have heard really terrible things. I mean, it might just be limited options. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, it is cool to see. I don't know if this category existed last year, but innovation and accessibility. I do love that that, that category exists. And uh, I, I feel like The Last of Us Part Two might win it just because it went all the way in on accessibility features. And I do, uh, I do love that. Mm-hmm. Um, best action game. It's nice to see Streets of Rage Four nominated. I would absolutely vote for that game. I, I thought Streets of Rage Four was fantastic, and I still go back to it constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Persona Five Royal is on best RPG. Uh, best family game. Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. That's an interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. That's no. Odd. Or yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, they're just uh, struggling or, for yeah. family games at that point. Yeah. Uh, Origami yeah. King is on Best Family Game, though, so at least it got a, some shout-out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there there are genres every year that kind of 
languish in in these uh, nominations. Like for instance, you know, we have fighting games, and you have freaking One Punch Man, which fun, right. okay, but it's it's you know, it's not going to compare to like Mortal Kombat 11 or, or Street Fighter 5. Right. Um, so yeah, I think there are some where they just you know they know that the the pickings are slim. <laughs> <laughs> I love that best yeah. mobile game. Uh, one of the nominees is Pokemon Cafe Mix. What the hell? Limited <laughs> options. <laughs> well, I guess I mean, so. How, yeah. How do you ignore a Pokemon game in the mobile category? <laughs> right. Right. Um, oh, best God. indie game, Derek. Spirit Fair is a nominee, and I know that, you I, really love that game. I really enjoyed that game. That that game. Yeah. Um, surprised me with how it just it pulled me in. Like, there's a lot of games I've played this year that I don't normally get into that kind of genre, but they had something mm-hmm. special about them that really clicked with me and made me just love them. Uh, nice. Spirit Fair is one. Uh, my review of Sokken is coming soon and spoilers, but same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, speaking of Pokemon cafe mix or whatever it's called, I think that's it. Uh, we have big news on, uh, on another Pokemon mobile game today being Pokemon go. Uh, which is ex- uh, expanding a ton with its first ever named update called Go Beyond. And they've never done this before. They have done seeds like, you know, uh, generational updates for new Pokemon and stuff, but they've never done a whole new, you know, named expansion like this. And as part of Go Beyond, we're getting uh, Generation 6 Pokemon for the first time. So we're getting the Kalos region represented for the first time. And uh, there's a whole lot to this. I, do you guys, does anyone here play Pokemon Go anymore? Or did you ever play Pokemon Go? I know you did, Derek. I, I played it in the lead up to Let's Go because I was trying to get to make sure I could have a complete Pokedex for that game, uh, mm. for a video related to that, and um, got close to help me out, I guess. But um, I haven't played it since. It's just such a time sink, and it's so hard to get out. And not you know, there's only so many places I can go to get it done. And I, I got into it for a while, but I really do have my peaks and valleys with Pokemon go. And I don't see myself coming back to it. It's just no, <laughs> but th- sure. that said, there are interesting things in here that I can see hardcore fans really being into. Like the seasons idea is interesting where That's different cool. Pokemon are favored depending on the time of year. Um, and it'll change whether you're Northern or Southern hemisphere. Um, the fact that they raise the level cap and the way you get to that next level is a little bit more objective based is interesting. Of course, you got the gen six Pokemon. Um, a lot of, I actually saw, uh, Joe Merrick, uh, Serebii mentioned that he was surprised they didn't update the name like they have with other games out there. Like, uh, I think it was like, Pokemon Masters E it's was Pokemon Masters now it's Pokemon Masters EX or something like that and uh. <laughs> it's like why didn't they call this Pokemon yeah. Go Beyond but I guess Go is just so integral it's like no nah, let's don't confuse people it's just it's still just Pokemon Go um, I can't believe that they ne- that, that no one caught the problematic <laughs> part of Pokemon Masters EX I really that's, can't that's why that. i'm laughing over I know. here yeah you're i love that they didn't though i'm so glad they didn't like that just yeah you can't make that up didn't um, they change it interesting now? Did they, did they drop the s isn't that what they did or did they do nothing or what did they that? do they did something I, to ch- i can't remember i can't I yeah, what they I did I, I wish they hadn't it. yeah mm. i mean i get why they had to but i wish they hadn't um, interestingly enough, one of the Kalos uh, region Pokemon they're adding to uh, Pokemon Go is Klefki, but it's ex- a region exclusive to France. 
So I don't Fair. know if I remember there being any region exclusive. Oh Pokemon no, there was like you could one. only get Farfetch'd in Japan, Kangaskhan in Australia. No, no, past gen, no past gen one. I meant like oh, in Gen one, I, I know. Think, there yeah, were, no, but each, I, I don't each know gen has their yeah. own region. Oh, does it? Exclusive. Okay, yeah. Oh, they like. I remember how happy I was. I remember how like over the because my wife and I used to play a ton of Pokemon Go. We were really into it for like Gen one, and we went to Japan that well, one of the years we were playing. And I was hoping so much to get a Farfetch, and I didn't get one. I kept like not being in the right place at the right time. Then literally the, the very last night, our last night in Japan, we were packing in our uh, Airbnb. And a Farfetch spawned right on top of the Airbnb, and I was able to get it at the last second. So that was a awesome. pretty cool thing. I, I remember um, when they had the whole egg promotion where Pokemon from other regions could be hatched. Um, mm-hmm. And you had that chance. And I, I have this love of uh farfetch that started with gen six uh honestly so i wanted oh, really? farfetch so bad i kept i just kept hatching him until i got got my farfetched mm-hmm. nice <laughs> let's see, see there's I... also a level cap in oh go ahead steve oh no i was just gonna say my my experience i have exactly 17 hours of experience with pokemon <laughs> go Very and specific. i know that yeah well pokemon go came out in july of 2016 and I'm very that. familiar with the time frame because one of my children was also released in July 2016. And released. so the extent of my Pokemon Go experience was playing it in a hospital room. Oh. Um, and so, you know, it, Please it's tell me you thing got about having an there. infant is that you can't <laughs> just go to the park and, and hunt for Pokemon whenever you want. Um, so, yeah, I, I ended up looking, you know, I ended up playing it intensely for the time you know, that my kid wasn't part of the world yet. And then uh, as soon as she was born, I put it down. And then the the ensuing six months kind of removed my interest. Mm-hmm. So I've, right. I've not been Makes back. Sense. But I mean, I kind of like looked at it and I was like, okay, you know, and I know they've done a ton of stuff since then, but it's just never brought me back because there's always been other stuff to play. But I, I was just like, okay, so you catch Pokemon and then what? Like you put one in a gym? Yeah. But then you don't. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And I, I just remember Pokemon Go 1.0 just not having anything to really hold my interest. But tons of my friends were super into it. And where I live in Arizona, like businesses were putting up signs like, oh, hey, we're a Pokestop. You can yep, hang same. out here and play Pokemon Go. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I feel very separated from the rest of the world right now. <laughs> um, but I imagine, you know, this. I mean, how, how does a game like Pokemon Go work when everyone's at home? They've been so, doing some things to, to adjust for it and try to make it happen, but yeah, it's 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 been interesting. Um, I know you haven't really played Pokemon Go at all, she says. Uh, yeah. It just never clicked with you? It's just um, the idea of putting a, a Nintendo game in mobile format where it's like, I love Nintendo games for their high quality, you know, AAA kind of experiences. And, um, sure. And anything that gets transferred to mobile, it's like it's piecemeal type stuff. You know, oh, you got wait times. You got to spend extra money to to do this and that. I'm like, well, that's not the Nintendo experience for me. Mm, so I just, sure. I just never, I just never gave it a chance, really, because I was thinking to myself, like, well, I could give this a shot, but at the same time, too, I know that another Pokemon game is going to be right around the corner on, you know, uh, Switch or whatever, and. That's definitely uh, probably more up my alley. So why don't I just you know wait for that? And I just kind of let the whole fad pass right by me. 
and everyone was always surprised too because lots of people that never even played Nintendo games casually like I did um, mm-hmm. would tell me that they had the, the app and I'd be like, I, I don't play. And they were like, you, the guy that always talks <laughs> about freaking Mario and all this stuff, yeah. but we're talking about other things in life and you don't have Pokemon Go. I'm like, yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> but yeah, no, sorry, I don't. <laughs> I definitely hear what you're saying about Nintendo mobile games in general, but I have to say, I'm still, and I don't play it anymore. I played it for maybe the better part of a year, maybe about a year, but I'm still su- uh, surprised by just how incredibly generous Fire Emblem Heroes is for a mobile. Ooh, you know what's it funny? It gives is you so much. Two days ago, I just downloaded the app because I've had Fire Emblem fever. Oh, yeah? So. yeah nice, so, nice. I know so you're excited for app. Shadow Dragon. Super Ash, I know excited. you couldn't yes. see it, but I was becoming increasingly nervous thinking you were about to say Mario Kart Tour. Oh God! I was, no. was going to get very upset with you. <laughs> no, I no. I, I played Mario Kart Tour for like ten minutes and I deleted it. I hated it. I hated it. It's just so not what I want from Mario Kart. It's I. I thought it was actively bad. <laughs> I yeah. got uh, Fire Emblem Heroes when it came out. I enjoyed the. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I started getting really sad that I wasn't getting the like. I was trying all these times and I wasn't getting the stuff I wanted. I didn't want to spend money on it. And I knew the path I was going down. I was like, Nope, I gotta, I gotta put it away. I can't, can't do it. You and know what's funny yeah. is I, I really wanted Alm and it was like immediately available as soon as I booted up the game. And I was like, perfect. All right. I got nice. what I wanted out of this game. <laughs> nice. awesome. I couldn't get any of the rare ones that I too. really wanted. And trust me, one of my favorite girls in Fire Emblem is from Path of Radiance, uh, Mia. She's always been one of my best characters when I play Path of Radiance and I've seen her and they have variations of her. Like when here's like her Easter form and her winter form and all that stuff. And it's like, nope, that's a trap. Staying away because I'm not going to get her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about like the lesser units and stuff like that. I want to kind of pull those and see what they look like in, in, with the new art styles and stuff. But mm-hmm. sorry, I, I'm probably. Yeah. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're cool. Like, no, I, you're I, good. I, I'm with you. Like, okay. I'm. I'm Really excited to try out uh, Shadow Dragon as well. I guess I love seeing the history of that. I have the uh, DS version, so I'm and I haven't tried it yet. So with my whole thing that I've been doing, I haven't done it in a while. Where I was playing through the Fire Emblem games in the release order that we got in the states, Shadow Dragon was actually my next one. And I do this thing where if I lose a unit, I don't restart, so they're dead. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> It, it certainly makes it interesting. I remember losing every apparently best unit in Blazing Blade, the you know the first Game Boy Advance one, and everybody was like, "Oh, you're screwed now!" And I still beat the game. It's just, oh, you know, you just don't. You might not have the best units, but you can still pull it off. Yeah, I. Um, you know, it, it. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, no, I was no. just gonna say that, like, for uh, the longest time, I did not understand the Fire Emblem culture. It seemed really like there's a huge gate. Um, that kind of stops new players from really getting into the series. Uh, Permadeath being one of them, being underleveled or underprepared when you get several chapters in and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, what happened was I ended up playing, um, what was it? Shadows of Valentia again. Uh, and nice. I went back to this part of the game where it was just like really difficult. And as a result, it put a force on my back, not to just, you know, brute force my way through the level instead actually strategize and when i actually had to do that i was like oh wow it's starting to click for me 
And I then went back and played other Fire Emblem games, and I was like, okay, now I understand terrain differences, and uh, obviously, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. some sword, swords have better accuracy than lances, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, okay, now that I'm accumulating all of this information, I can actually go into these really intimidating scenarios and come out on top. Like this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, all of a sudden, that announcement happened that the <laughs> NES game, and I've had gentlemen, I've had shower thoughts. For years of like, wonder what it would be like if like Nintendo actually did translate it themselves, and what how would that translation look? And all of a sudden, like this thing happened, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Someone want to wake me up right now? And then they were like, "Oh yeah, we're also gonna release like the NES box, and uh, here's a Nintendo Power mock-up, and you know." I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I know." I was kind of right. so cool. Edition, I am so cool. in. Yeah. So I am like, when that happened. All of a sudden, I'm like, I need something to bide my time because I, I all I can think about is this one game. And so, like, I've been going to all of the games. I, I played uh, Genealogy of the Holy War. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I haven't uh, even played I, that one. Um, I've been playing, uh, what was it called? Well, Mystery of the Emblem, yeah, which is the remake. Uh, yeah, uh, that's just the a little bit. third game uh, that was on DS, right? Mm-hmm. Or did you and, play the um, SNES version? And like I said, I downloaded the app mm. and I was like, oh, you know, this one, I don't think this one's, I bet you once I beat all the games, I'm going to really want to play this. But I was like, but there's still so much more out there for me to finish. Um, and so I booted up that free download that I got from Nintendo when they messed up on the pricing of the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, right. I got Sacred Stones, I believe it was, yeah. for free. Yeah. Nice. That's a solid been, one. Now I've been playing that and trying to get through that, which that's a really good one. Yeah. I love the animation and art style and stuff. It's, it's actually possible to grind in that one if you need to. So, oh really? Okay. Yeah, because you know it, it, as cool as it is that they're doing, you know, they're doing the localized release of Shadow Dragon. I, I love that. I think it's the coolest thing. Yeah, I got to be that guy and say that it does make the whole Mother Three situation hurt that much worse. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it absolutely reopened that that wound that had scarred over fairly well by this point. You know, I, I had moved on. <laughs> I had accepted it. And then, of course, they go and do this, and they just reopen that wound, poured some lemon juice in it, and now the pain is back. <laughs> the and, worst part uh... <laughs> is, you know what it is? Is the worst part for me is that all this gives me hope when there shouldn't be any there. <laughs> there shouldn't be any. I know. It's one of those uh... things is, can they get past the problematic problematic elements, which in, I think right. in the Magypsies yeah. in Mother 3's case, but there's also like... If we I don't know if we'll ever get, I guess it depends on how well Shadow Dragon does, but will we ever get Genealogy and Thracia Seven Seven Six? I forget which one of those is, but there is a, from what I understand, just from hearsay, there's a bit of an incest plot <laughs> within oh, within Genealogy or Thracia. Now, granted, this is not nice. uncommon for Fire <laughs> Emblem because if you played Fates, yeah. your brothers Fates and sisters so are weird. completely dateable. Yeah, Fates is so weird. Uh, oh, just no. to be very clear, I think what you meant, Derek, <laughs> when you said problematic, the Magypsies themselves are not. It's the name and the fact that one of them comes on to Lucas, a child, you know, quite, right. quite, uh, the stereotype quite of what they look yeah. like, I think, is also exactly an issue. the stereotype. Exactly. Oh, it's genealogy. But, Thank yeah. you, Atinio. Well, um, I think, yeah, that... I don't know how they get past that. I really don't. I can tell you how they get past that. They remake oh. it like they did with Shadows of Valentia. Oh, I want that. I, oh, I that want a remake like that so badly. Yeah. I think it's very yeah. possible. I mean, so? why would they suddenly stop doing remakes? They've been doing it for a little while now, right? So I think it's, it, it's it the was, next one down the line, I believe. 
Because they've of. already remade the first. They already remade the direct sequel to the first. And um, mm. they've and now the, done And then they did it. the second. Because the, they did the first, the third, and then the second. Yeah. And unfortunately, we got Shadow Dragon. But Shadow Dragon wasn't... Because it's so bare bones, people didn't really gravitate toward it. And so they didn't bother yeah. bringing over Mystery of the Emblem or New Mystery of the Emblem. And well, that one apparently two, is ugly way better. And we never got it. Yeah, yeah. It was like figure. another thing too. It's like I have no interest in going back to the DS remake because it's just a hideous game. <laughs> like one of the reasons why Fire Emblem is so marvelous is that it like it it does a lot with um the battle animations and like you know mm-hmm. it always maximizes. Yeah. Oh man, those Game Boy Advance animations like Lin's uh, critical hits. Holy crap, oh they can look so good. The the ones on Game yeah. Boy Advance are absolutely stunning, and I'm just like so mesmerized. They are, by it. yeah. Now, in comparison to that Shadow Dragon remake on DS, it's like, oh, oh, look at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, what is that? Like, <laughs> one of the things I want to do is play play the NES and then go to the the DS remake and see, like, compare. Like, let's see oh, how this yeah. let's, let's see how this works. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess in that regard, you know, you might be onto something. It's like a stark black background and Marf just going like from this to like to that. You know. So yeah. It might look, I really look wish I could make to that. I really wish I could make more time for Fire Emblem because I I'm not a big I was never a big fan of the earlier games in the series, but I really enjoyed what I played of Awakening, and then I did a I did a uh, feature for Gamespot on Fates, which I enjoyed the game itself. The story was just the dumbest nonsense imaginable, but the the gameplay itself was a lot of fun, and I really want to play Three Houses because everyone talks about how great it is, but. You know, oh, it's just too much to play, it. as always. You know, okay. I, but I, I do want to make more time for it. And whenever anybody mentions Shadows of Valentia or Three Houses, my mind goes immediately to their amazing soundtracks. And that could be mm-hmm. said for the whole series. But that final battle theme from Shadows of Valentia, oh. uh, Twilight of the Gods, I think it is, it yeah. is so unbelievable. So yeah. Good. And then also God Shattering Star from Three Houses. My God, that song. Like, mm-hmm. these soundtracks are some of the best ever out there oh they're so good yeah they're super duper good and like again once i beat shadows of valentia i was listening to that soundtrack that final song in particular almost daily good yeah Mm -hmm. i was like it's a crime that it didn't get uh, added to smash in in, in any way either as part of the base game or along with byleth um same thing with god shattering star it's such a shame um but we've been talking about fire emblem for quite a while so let's go ahead and move on Uh, no no it's it was worth it i Uh, I love it yeah, um, let's keep the focus on Nintendo for now, though, and talk about uh, the company behind the uh, Switch's HD Rumble, we have found out, is also responsible for the DualSense's haptic feedback, the uh, DualSense being the PS5 controller. So this is a company named Immersion. It's uh, based right here in California, actually. And this just makes me even more excited to finally get my hands on a DualSense, because I have always, ever since the Switch launched, I have been shouting from the rooftops about how much... I think HD Rumble adds when it's implemented well. I still feel that way. I think HD Rumble is awesome. And I keep hearing about how great the haptic feedback in the DualSense is. I can't... Like, I'm almost more excited about the DualSense than I am the PS5 itself. Mm-hmm. I I think... Uh, I, I was close to calling this. Like, really, really close. So in my review of the PlayStation 5, I said that... Uh, the haptics in the DualSense felt like a more advanced version of the Switch's HD Rumble. And I had no clue that that (laughs) the same company was behind both of them. So honestly, that is probably accurate. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the DualSense, I I mean, consoles are neat. 
consoles are new consoles are cool but really the controller is is what we interact with more than anything else right like mm-hmm. on the and that's true of any console that whatever your primary interface is is what you're gonna is what you're going to mess with the most like you you usually just plug the console in and, and there it sits for a number of years um i i think the ssd and stuff like that in the ps5 are cool but you know none of them were like I don't want to say like mind blowing, you know, they they weren't like mind blowing. Like it's cool. And you're like, wow, games load really fast. And wow, you know, the, everything's in 4k and looks really pretty. But when, you know, your controller, like your triggers actually fight you back. Like that's like a, that is, that is an experience that you don't, you know, that you don't shake off as easily. Like, you're just like, wow, this is, you know, every time I play a PS5 game and I feel like resistance in those triggers i'm still kind of like how do they do that like (laughs) and i i think that it's really cool that you know it it makes sense to me because i i was always somewhat impressed by hd rumble uh i think nintendo obviously does the best job of actually utilizing that tech because there are a lot of third-party games on switch that the joy con or the pro controller just gets insanely noisy like instead of rumbling It somehow just emits a high pitched squeal, and I don't know what the hell is going on there. But developers should like, use yeah. that to their advantage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But really one where... developer did. Kirby Star Allies. Did you ever play that? The end of that? No. What happened? Oh, oh, it was so good. This. You need it to look this up really afterwards. Cool. She says because yeah. when you beat the bonus stage in Kirby Star Allies, they have this statue that rises up from the ground, and from the from the controller, you get the Kirby theme. But there's no. There's no uh, speaker in there, obviously. They recreated the, the the music using the HD rumble. It is wow. mind-blowing. Oh, my God. And yeah, I can look that it's up. it's really somehow. cool. <laughs> so, I think somebody showed it off or something like that because it is just I, – I couldn't believe it. I, that, I have never – I've had a hard time noticing HD rumble, and from what I can tell – it's kind of fallen to the wayside with a lot of Switch games, unless I'm yeah. like I haven't really noticed, but because I didn't notice in the first place. Um, but yeah, that's still the most impressive one, and kind of carrying that over to the Dual Sense. I'm kind of curious whether they'll keep up that whole haptic feedback for the Dual Sense as well to have that extra engagement, or eh, people aren't noticing and don't care, so we're not going to bother. I don't know if I'd say yeah, it's fallen by the wayside. It's it's used to great effect in Super Mario 35. It's it's very it's slight, oh, but okay. that little tick that you get when you pick up coins is really just satisfying. Um, I liked it in a, the Age of Calamity demo. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily the the focal point of the Switch, but I but yeah, I don't know if it's been necessarily gone by the wayside. Um, one game though that I, I have to call out, third party game that has some of the best HD rumble in the system, Okami HD. Like, I, I recommend the Switch version above <laughs> all others because of the HD rumble. The, the, the way the HD rumble, like, recreates the pitter-patter of Amy's paws. Like, it's kind of irregular. It's not like a set <laughs> pattern, but it's irregular. And it's just so cool. I love it. And, uh, yeah, that's just... That and Mario Odyssey, I think, are my two favorite examples of HD rumble. But, like, when you're swimming in Mario Odyssey, it's such a cool feeling. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited to check out the Dual Sense, and and based on what you said, Steve, I have good reason to be. Yeah, now I yeah. I didn't have any interest in PS5. Not that I was a hater or anything. I was just like, once sure. a game is out there that I absolutely have to have, I'll pick this thing up. But you know, the way you guys are describing it right now, I'm like, oh, ooh, okay. yeah, I want to see what they're <laughs> yeah. talking about. 
That sounds yeah, yeah. really cool because I do when it is ha- like I don't know it doesn't happen too often with me that I notice the HD rumble. Mm-hmm. I think there was like a couple of examples where the game was being really quirky about it, and you could feel something roll from one end of the Joy-Con to the other, and it's like oh that was really cool. But like um, it's so infrequent that I, I stop and notice like whoa look at the way it's like really kind of interacting with the game itself. Um, but like to me, I think that maybe that was my fault where I just can't. I don't sense it. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not as uh, prevalent uh, enough for me to even notice. Um, so if it's like you say, where it's got a stronger feedback on the PlayStation 5 controller, uh, I'd be very excited to see what exactly that feels like. And if yeah, it does think, feel distinct. I think I think you'll, you'll probably enjoy it, she says, because I'm with you in that the Switch's HD Rumble, there are a few games where I'm like, oh, that's really neat. But by and large, I don't notice, like, I don't notice nuance in the rumble. I notice mm. it's rumbling. It just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like anything to me. Whereas with the right. dual sense, I can say that I actually un- like I intuitively understand how how the rumble on the dual sense feeds into what's happening on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at right now. So mm-hmm. I'm, I, again, where do I got to go, guys? <laughs> Who do I got to talk to? <laughs> I know I got to find one of these things. Like I said, yeah. at, the, at the very least, you got to check out that Kirby video, uh, like an example of that Kirby song after oh i am as soon as we're done with this is exactly what i'm doing that's yeah i dropped a link list. to that to that song in the Ooh. chat for our audience so it's, okay. it's floating around out there okay <laughs> nice um well speaking of the ps5 we have had the system's launch sales in japan uh, revealed and uh to the surprise of absolutely no one it's it's utterly slaughtering the Xbox Series X in Japan. What? So in its first four days, I know, like shocking. Shock I think all. Microsoft, is, yeah, like was like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in its first four days on sale, uh, the PS5 sold 118,000 units compared to 21,000 units in the same period of time for the Xbox Series X and S. That's both systems. So <laughs> that's yeah, it's pretty pretty rough uh, over there for Microsoft, but it always has been. That's no surprise. Um, and according to Famitsu, 88% of those PS5 sales were the disc-based version, not the digital version. Makes sense. Uh, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that doesn't. That seems to be the case everywhere, yeah. pretty much, that the regular one is the, the more popular model. That's the one I want, personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, oof. That's pretty rough split for, for the Xbox Series X in Japan. Um, for launch games, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, was the top placer with 18,640 copies sold through. Um, followed very close, very closely, actually, by Demon Souls, with 18,607. Wow. So that's a 30... Yeah, that's that's barely 40 votes uh, hmm. of difference there, or votes, uh, sales. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know why I said what votes. Ash has been preoccupied with. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what do you mean? Well, votes. Well, I vote, mean, we are yeah. in America. Oh, oh voting. Going that's true. Oh, voting in general. Oh, God. Yeah, voting in general. Please don't remind me. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting time here in America. Mm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so, you know, hats off to Sony. Uh, it's not surprising that they absolutely slaughtered Xbox in Japan. But what's going to be curious or, or more interesting is the split in the U.S., I think, and in, in, in the U.K. So uh, what do you guys have any predictions there in terms of how how things are going to shake out for PS5 and Xbox Series X and S long-term? Well, so long-term, I think it's going to stay just about the same in Japan. And I've always been curious. Like I know that that Microsoft made an attempt during the 360 era to kind of um, acquisition a couple of big names from Japanese developers like Sakaguchi and um, 
maybe more. I'm trying to think, but I can't at the moment. Um, you know, with Blue Dragon, uh, mm. trying to get the Dream Team back and make um, Lightning in a Bottle once again, which, you know, was it just simply didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, but, Mike, that kind of reroutes to what I was just trying to think here. Like, if if they targeted more towards Japanese players and had exclusive games that were worth their time, do you think they would ever be able to break that bias? That's what's curious to me. What do you guys think? Yeah? No? They've tried for so long, and they've had exclusives for so long. Like, they had Tales of Vesperia exclusive for a while. But then in Japan, they got the Tales of Vesperia on PS3, and it was simply a better version. I think what ended up happening a lot is Japanese developers would use the 360 as, yeah, we'll be exclusive on you, get that extra bonus, and then put out a more definitive edition on PS3. Like, use that money to just make a better PS3 version that would then sell better. And it's just never, like, good exclusives being trapped in the 360 just doesn't stick in Japan. I think Blue Dragon and Lost Lost Odyssey are, like, some of the exceptions. But I don't know. It just, I, I don't, I can't think of anything they could do. And especially they don't have any exclusives here. So unless they're, like, they get people interested in Game Game Pass. Like, Game Pass is their ticket. Like, yeah. Not, granted, it's, I doubt very many Japanese players have not gotten Dragon Quest Eleven at this point or Eleven S. But if they haven't, Game Pass is a good way to do that and have a bunch of other games as well. So I think maybe Game Pass could get in there for Microsoft, but I don't think a console can do it. Mm. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't think there's a good path forward right now for Microsoft in Japan. I think that no, what Jesus no kind of began to touch on that there's kind of like a cultural bias in Japan, you know, just, I mean, PlayStation and Nintendo are the home teams out there and they're, they are always, always, always going to outperform, you know, unless Microsoft does something drastic, I think, you know, there is an Xbox Japan division, but the only story I can think of is how badly they blundered like the launch of the original Xbox. I remember they, they had developers initially interested and I can't remember what they did. I wish I remembered the full anecdote, but it's like, they inadvertently just because of their lack of understanding of business culture over there like did something incredibly insulting and like a, a big developer who was considering creating exclusives just walked out and that was kind of emblematic yeah. of wow. of what would be Xbox's fortunes in Japan for the rest of time um yeah. i think i think the key forward for them is not exclusives but acquisitions but the problem is their their reputation in Japan is so bad that yeah. you know what what company would would willingly get in bed with them at this point over there like what what company would really say oh yeah i want to tie myself to this so um, yeah, unless I they think, just I like think... well let's look at that american and european market and just like well screw the screw the japanese market let's go all in for those markets i think markets. i think the way right now if you don't buy a japanese studio to get xbox's name out there in japan is to go at, fully as a cloud service provider and make mm. a client on PlayStation or Switch. Like, mm. get Game Pass and create a yeah. client for it for a console people in Japan are already buying, and then maybe they'll they'll subscribe to your service. Yeah. But I think, I think that's the yeah. only way you're doing it. I don't think even on smartphones people are going to go out of their way to subscribe to an Xbox service. But if it lets I you agree. play 4K or, you know, not 4K necessarily, but visually rich games on something that is relatively underpowered like the Switch, I could see that happening. Cloud games in Japan on the Switch are popular. Yeah, it is. It has been interesting to see the the divergent foci between between Microsoft and Sony in this generation, where Microsoft is going all in on the service aspect of the Xbox, 
where you know you've got Game Pass. They're pushing that, I would say, more than the consoles themselves. Whereas Sony is still very much sticking to its traditional, the traditional console-based approach, really pushing the PS5 itself as a product more than stuff like PlayStation Now. So I'm really curious to see. I agree with everything you guys are saying about J- Japan. Microsoft has no path forward there, uh, other than what you said, I think, Steve. But I am really curious to see how those two different, uh, you know, approaches shake out elsewhere in the world, in other markets. I'm really curious to see how things are going to look once all the dust is settled post-launch. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, as far as what they're doing right now, I I see, I don't see Series X pulling out on top. It seems like mm-hmm. right now the conversation is a lot more, at least as far as I can see on the online landscape, it seems like it's it's more geared towards PlayStation 5 and who's t- I mean obviously the big reason there is because there's more games to talk about with it right there's actually new games yeah. to talk about yeah right and, yeah. and you know I, t- I remember there was this article where I think it was Phil Spencer said something along the lines of don't quote me on this I just remember this um, him saying something along the lines of like um, you know exclusives are not important it's about services and stuff like that and I was like, no. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's still the games, the man. You have to get the games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, with that still said, you know, they did manage to acquire Bethesda. That's a huge gain. And so when they start utilizing those yeah. IPs, hopefully they utilize those IPs. Because, again, if they have the same negotiation contract as uh, Rare, oh, my God. You know, you got to do something with those IPs. But, um Bethesda makes Connect Sports on Series X. Right, right. (laughs) Right. You know, it's like uh, I'm totally fine with Rare doing what they want to do. I'm I'm cool with that. But like Mm -hmm. Microsoft, you own those other IPs. you got to stop being like, hey, Rare, can can we let someone else use Banjo? And for them to say no, it's like, no, you have to to put on the daddy pants and say, listen, (laughs) you have your shot. You want to make the Banjo game? No? All right, we're going to give it off to Platonic or something like that. Um, cause otherwise they're just, they're just sitting in a bank and it's like, you have yeah. very valuable stuff that you can use to sell your consoles with and it's not happening. So anyways, yeah. I, I don't see that happening with Bethesda. Um, but certainly like that's, that's what they need to start doing is showing this, um, this incredible, uh, bank of IPs that they have sitting around and start utilizing them. And then all of a sudden the value of the console will skyrocket. I will mm-hmm. buy an Xbox Series X. I will make this public. Phil, if you're listening, I will if you make a, a remake or a sequel to Banjo-Kazooie. 100%, you'll be oh, the console I would. that Oh, I yeah. Buy. Easily. Totally. Oh, yeah. Oh, I th- remake Banjo-Kazooie, yeah. that's a guaranteed sale for me. Same. <laughs> Easily. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we move on, just to address a couple of comments in the chat, uh, Itsumo says, I finally got to listen live. Hi, gang. We're glad mm-hmm. that you finally did get to listen live. So thanks for joining us, Itsumo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. And then there was Tyler Rogers who said, I thought Sackboy may have had higher sales. It could. That's based on the VG247 article. That, mm-hmm. that was our source for this article. So you may be right. Uh, yeah. Also, Dennis J. This is pretty shocking. Apparently, Microsoft's Direct DirectX's original name was the Manhattan Project because it was their initiative to destroy Japanese dominance of the gaming industry, which, whew, that I, I, probably I have heard was that. not. <laughs> I have heard that before. And yep. Yep. That is a horrible idea. That actually reminds me of a quick anecdote. This is this is wild, but a few years ago, I went to a Japanese restaurant in LA, and I was looking over the cocktail menu, and I kid you not, guys, one of the names of the cocktails at this Japanese restaurant in America was called the Pearl Harbor. Ooh. That is a thing that happened that people thought was a good idea. 
I have no idea. And and by the way, they're not in business anymore. So that tells you something, I guess. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> I love um, how Rob Armand, yikes, nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean... They had to change the name of the one weapon in Fallout 3 when they d- took it to Japan because it's called the Fat Man. And it launches yeah, right. it's like a mini nuke yeah. launcher. So it's like... Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Well, speaking of people <laughs> showing their whole asses, um, Epic <laughs> Games founder Tim Sweeney, he loves to do this, uh, make himself sound like a fool, but he has compared the fight between Epic Games and Apple uh, to the fight for civil rights. So... I don't even know what else to say about that. I mean, what can you say about yeah. comparing something so comparatively unimportant to the it, civil rights movement? Like, so yeah. to get so, the full quote out there, just so we have the full context, and it's not just us yes. saying that, he said, yeah. it's everyone's, it's everybody's duty to fight. It's not just an option that somebody's lawyers might decide, but it's actually our duty to fight that. If we had adhered to all of Apple's terms and, you know, taken their 30% payment processing fees and passed the cost along to our customers, then that would be epic colluding with Apple to restrain competition on uh, on iOS and to inflate prices for customers. So going along with Apple's agreement is what is wrong. And that's why Epic mounted a challenge to this. And you know you can hear any... And you know you can hear of any and... To something inaudible to civil to civil rights fights where there were actual laws on the books and the laws were wrong and people disobeyed them and it was not wrong to disobey them because to go along with them would be collusion to make them status quo. What an idiot! So, okay, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It is a but, terrible analogy. Right. Like I get what he's going yeah. for. It is stupid. It is yeah, I do really get the, the broad strokes of what he's trying to say, but that right. is not the right comparison to make. No, not even not. close. No, it, it, the psychology right. of it is he's thinking like, well, I'm putting civil rights in a positive light, and I'm doing something important too, and I'm just saying that it's important to fight for it. But no, no, you don't do that. <laughs> just don't yeah. go there. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not. It's not as important as that. And I think that's where he's completely clueless. You know. To him, he's so invested in this. You know, this is his yeah. crusade, and like he's he, he's like he just needs this like this battle won because he feels like he's fighting for the little guy, and so he's mounting this thing on a mountaintop that is nowhere near the scale of what he's trying to compare himself to. But he seems to think that he, in his little microcosm, his little bubble, he seems to think that it's just as important, or you know, at least trying to aid people and understanding why it's so important. And it's it yeah doesn't land and it's so funny that he like doubled up on the comment too and he's like did you read it though did yeah. you read the comment that, that, yeah. that's, that's what i was it's a good thing and, yeah oh my goodness yeah um i mean and, it's yeah, that's that's the that's the sad part about all of this really like when the whole thing started with the um he used his game oh, what, what the heck fortnite yeah. he used fortnite as a platform for this whole stupid thing and like uh, he, you know, ugh, it was just with a little video there, and making it ultra disgusting. I don't know, making it all about 1984 and just again right. trying to do do that. Like again, well, he keeps trying to compare it to these grand things when it's a big corporation versus a big corporation. Right? Nobody cares. Frame, right. Framing yeah. Epic as the underdog in anything. <laughs> is, is not the right move like oh look at us all scrappy with our billions like yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you know as someone one of the, one of my favorite things uh in the replies to this tweet was uh somebody somebody just said 
hey tim remember that time epic sued a little kid <laughs> like because a, a, yeah. a kid like broke the terms and services of Fortnite, doing something i'm sure mm-hmm. and he was just like oh well that's not the same and it's like well you're talking about a big guy bullying a little guy right this is actually a little child <laughs> and you took him to court <laughs> You know, so if if you can kick little kids out of Fortnite and sue them, maybe Apple can kick you out of their playground, too. Right. Um, Well, and the even crazier thing about this is that, you know, no matter when you say something that stupid, it's always a bad time to say it. But to compare that to the civil rights movement at this particular moment in American culture and, and what's going on in America, that just makes you look even worse. Like what? Especially right now. Like what? So, yeah, but that's, you know, Tim Sweeney going to Tim Sweeney, right? So let's move on to our uh, final topic of the day. Uh, A new interview with Tetsuya Nomura has surfaced via Dengeki Online, where uh, they talk about Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memories release and the fact that uh, the series is going to be going on a bit of a release break following Melody of Memories release. So it sounds as though we're probably not going to see anything new Kingdom Hearts-esque or Kingdom Hearts-wise in 2021, but that Nomura hopes to have good news to share with us in uh, for the series's was it twentieth anniversary? Twentieth yeah, anniversary, 20, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think they're just gearing up for the twentieth anniversary and whatnot. I've read a little bit of the uh, cliff notes they have of that. Yeah. Um, whereas, like dark dark road, the whole Xehanort thing on mobile is not connected to anything future. It's just that team wanted to work on that idea, and right. it's not really set up for the future. It's just sort of, I guess, clarification and we're going to get a bit of a break, which is, which is fine. Uh, I was surprised we got melody of memory as soon as we did after same hearts three. So take the break, work on whatever's next. I have no idea what's going to be next, but mm-hmm. let's, you know, I feel fine with them taking a little break to get things ready. Take as long as you need to make kingdom hearts three's ending, right. To, to, to make it right <laughs> cool. in the next game, to, to do it right in the next game, please. Um, some interesting little tidbits here also surfaced in this interview, not directly related to the series' future, but uh, for example, Nomura learned from overseas staff that uh, Yoko Shimomura, the composer of the series, is called Goddess over uh, by fans overseas, and he himself is called Papa, which I have not heard. I have not. Yeah, heard I've never heard anybody, anybody call Papa. Nomura Papa. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little I, weird, right? I can totally yeah. see people calling Shimomura a goddess. I'm pretty sure Ash has Definitely. said that. Oh, I'm sure I have, yeah. <laughs> um, Nomura also, the reason he asked Shimomura to compose Kingdom Hearts is because of how easy it was to work with her on Parasite E. So that's an interesting little uh, tidbit there. And um, the song that left the greatest... Oh, sorry for the sirens in the background, guys. They're coming that's to live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's what happens when you uh, live above a major street in L.A., um, so the song that left the greatest impact on Nomura was uh, Hikari, a.k.a. Simple and Clean by Hikari Utada, which is not surprising. That's still a banger all these years later. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest stuff the, from this interview. But it is interesting just to know that, uh, you know, the series is going to be taking a bit of a break. And that's probably a good idea to, you know, kind of build hype for Kingdom Hearts 4 or whatever's next. Um, probably not four. We'll probably be I don't think it's going to be years four. on before we get four. Yeah. Yep. What do you think it's going to be? Uh, oh, you think it's going to be like a, a new beginning, essentially? It's I mean, well, maybe some title yeah. with some long division in it. Or something. <laughs> yeah. The end of three, and I haven't I haven't finished Melody of Memory yet to see what they set up, but basically, uh, ironically, they're pulling from, or crazily enough, they're pulling uh, from so a weird. lot of lore of the mobile game. That's mm-hmm. where what's coming up next, and we got this, 
mystery box and the foretellers coming back and it's like okay what is what does all this mean and well not uh, only that but but nomura also seems to like be completely unable to let go of his final fantasy versus 13 fever dream so it seems as though we're going to be getting kingdom hearts versus 13 or at least some uh, version of that have you played kingdom hearts 3 at all uh she says very little of it it was um I don't know what it was. I think, it, like, first of all, I think that the voice directing in that game was even worse somehow than two. Wow. So, like, Ouch. I, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I know. But that, that's exactly what turned me off. <laughs> and I apologize. Fair enough. Um, but, like, uh, yeah, I, I remember I booted up. I was very excited, too. I, I, I booted up uh, the third game and was in Herc's land. And um, I don't know what was wrong with the actor, but it was so indis- like it was so distinguishable from his last performance in the movie that I didn't even think it was the same actor, and it was like it was so flat and weird, and I was like, okay, um, I was like, who who's playing Herc this time? And it turned out to be the same actor, and I was like, how is that possible? <laughs> how? Uh, you know that that's fair. There, there there were some some voices in that game that definitely fell flat. I don't think they all did, but. You're okay. absolutely right. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I guess I didn't get far enough into it to be honest with you to to be able to figure mm-hmm. out. But you know, there was the, all, the there work, was a yeah. lot of things that I was um kind of a little apprehensive about getting going into the game. One of the things that is very important to me, uh, I'm not, I, I by no means invested in the lore of the game. Uh, it's fine for it to be there, and I try not to criticize it for being so obtuse. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, I say that being a person that can enjoy the game in a different way, and that's. What worlds am I going to explore? What characters are going to be on my team? And, um, you know, and how fun is it to play? Mm-hmm. And for the third game, they went really hard. It must have been, I don't know whether or not it was the ambition of the team or if it was uh, overhead from Disney, uh, kind of forcing them to, to put in more relevant IP. But like a lot of the worlds um, did not resonate with me. And I was kind of hoping to see some deeper cuts. Like two was awesome. Had Tron in it. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it's stuff like that. Oh, oh uh, melody, me- memory, memory, of- Me- melody of memory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Steamboat Willie stage. Oh, um, oh, oh, um, oh, Timeless that. River, Timeless River, Timeless River. Right? That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were great. I-, I loved those. And so for three to I kind agree. of take the opposite route and go very do- much modern with yeah, theirs. Yeah, I, was, I-, I get that. that. Yeah. You, so, you made a really good point there, she says, about uh, Tron, because we got the Tron Legacy world in uh, Dream Drop Distance, which acted itself as a sequel to what happens in the regular Tron world in Kingdom Hearts 2. And we never got that resolution between Sora and Tron. They were such good friends. We need it. We need Sora a, fights Rinsler. We need a new Tron And then we never Tron get the resolution. <laughs> we need a new yeah, Tron we do. movie we need to Tron make 3. it happen. Which apparently we're getting with, uh, what's his name? The Joker actor, Jared Leto. Oh, apparently. God. I don't know why. That's Oof. unfortunate. Yeah, no. right. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a shame. Yeah, they, they, but, they need to get some... It would be nice to have some more classic cuts. Like, I'd love to see Robin Hood or something like that. Or go from the pool from the oh, Disney afternoon yeah. or something. Uh, for me, Saturday morning cartoon land would be amazing. Yes, exactly. Duck. Disney oh, afternoon yes. land. Just tailspin um, something with that. Speaking of the voices in Kingdom Hearts 3, I've been thinking about what you said, she says. And yeah, you know, for me, the most egregious example of, of acting that fell flat to me in that game, and there was a lot that I liked, but Xehanort. Unfortunately, no one can be Leonard Nimoy. No, May he rest in peace. not even Christopher yeah. Lloyd. Leonard Nimoy is absolutely singular. But unfortunately, 
not only is the guy they got to replace him not Leonard Nimoy, I just don't think he was very good, especially for such an important Ash, that was character. Christopher Lloyd. Really? Christopher Lloyd played Xehanort, yes. Ah, wow. Well, you know, we all have misfires. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. We all, you know, we he's, all... He's up there in age. Like, he is yeah, up there in he, age. Yeah. And he had that kind of... Incredible legacy. But, like, yeah, I mean, every time he gets put in something these days, it's... He's old, you know, and he's trying his yeah. best. But, like, he's, you know... He doesn't have that same energy that he used to. So, and yeah. uh, again, Nimoy made Xehanort in Birth by Sleep. I fell in love with that character just because of that. Oh, I no, think you. Too. Oh, that's right, Ishi Dragon. He only played him in the DLC. In the main game, he played. He was played oh. by an, another actor that passed away soon after. Oh, he did. It was. Um, I think it was Rudger Hauer. Oh, okay. Well, now I feel Blade bad. I mean, he passed away. I feel terrible. Well, yeah. then it was Regan Howard, and then for the DLC, but... they had um, Christopher Lloyd. So I was playing this. I'm like, oh, I'm a little worried for Christopher now. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Well, then I, t- I take back what I said. May may he also rest in peace. And mm-hmm. it may I may not have been a fan of the performance, but still, I'm sure he gave it all. I gave mean, it it, all you're and, just so uh, used to Leonard Nimoy what he brought to the it's table. True. I mean, uh, yeah. at that point, yeah. like. Yeah. They got him in a freaking PSP and 3DS game, not yeah. console, uh, but handheld games. It's it's crazy. I'll um, never forget when I uh, when I saw Transformers. What is it? The third Transformers movie, mm-hmm. uh, the Michael Bay one, and I had no idea that Leonard Nimoy was in it and played Sentinel Prime. So when I started hearing him, I'm like, Sentinel Prime, just say Keyblade, just once, say Keyblade or something. <laughs> Darkness wow. from. It oh was so God. cool to hear him in that movie. Yeah. I um, yeah. to, real quick to bring it back to the whole versus 13 thing. There's a game within a game in the game. Thanks to the toy story world featuring a character named Yozora, which basically is in concept and just in gameplay uh, is very much akin to how versus 13 was looking originally. And then in the post game, turns out Yozora might be an actual character that Sora got whisked away to. Yeah. So we don't really know what's going to happen, but uh, it does seem like the world ends with you is going to continue to be uh, an influence in the series. If the teaser for whatever's going on in versus third or the the versus 13 esque world is any indication. So it's definitely interesting. Um, I just, you know, I'm still going to continue to have a problem with that part of kingdom hearts three's ending, but we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. And maybe this will all end with Sora being in smash. And that would be a very happy. (laughs) Who knows? But that is all our news for the day, so uh, I think it's about time for us to wrap this up. But before we do, she says, uh, where can our audience find you? So you can find me on YouTube if you'd like. You can type in Boundary Break uh, in the search engine, and I should pop up. Uh, type in your favorite game, too. There's a good chance I might cover it. 150 episodes now at this point. But uh, big thing that I would love, if you've already watched Boundary Break or something like that, I'm streaming a lot more on Twitch, which is forward slash boundary break with no space um been having a ton of fun there so if you want to hang out with me and just play games and stuff that would be awesome um but yeah either one's fine whatever platform you're on those are cool but yeah twitch is like my new big thing you guys i'm like having so much fun oh, wow with it. Yeah, I, yeah i i've been enjoying nice. my t- getting back into twitch streaming and doing all that having you pop up in the chat on a, an occasion yeah, again, I've never been a Twitch person, but now I'm like watching all these people. I'm like actually addicted to it. So <laughs> I'm That's in the awesome. culture now. I'm knee deep in it. 
Well, just just so all of you in the audience know, if you do go over and play some games with She Says and, and that game is Smash, just know you're in for a challenge because he and I oh, have had God, yeah. some really good bouts over the years. And uh, we've, yeah, he's, he's really like, good. I'll play you again so, sometime, Ash. That'd I can take him. Me too. Like, we got to do it on your you and I'm like getting okay, destroyed. Good to me. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> when, you, when you play me, Derek? No, when I played uh, She Says, like when it was early on, oh, I was she like, says. I, I've never played She Says before, but I think I might be on the same skill level. No. No. <laughs> Yeah. How are you at, yeah. at Smash, Steve? I am awful. Um, <laughs> I am irredeemable when it comes to Smash. Uh there's I don't hold a candle to Derek, let alone you and Ash, so I would I would get wrecked pretty quick. But but I do have a good time. So oh, okay. I have Smash I have fun important. getting destroyed at Smash. What mm-hmm. what character do you like to use? Um so this is how you know I'm a scrub. I play Ryu, Cloud, and Little Mac. <laughs> so those are awesome. That doesn't make you a scrub. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, see, I, Little I, Mac I is my convention. least favorite character in the game, but that doesn't make you a scrub. Oh well, we'll wait till you see how I use him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Z- well, Zelda is still my main lover. Sorry, Zelda is still my main lover. Nice. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you you really uh, you really picked up Zelda with Ultimate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've I've settled. Of course, I mean Mega Man's forever my main, but I've also I think my top three have settled into being Mega Man, Lucas, and Palutena right now. So nice. they're Banjo, the uh, three. Lucas is so yeah. fun to use in this. PK yeah. Fire and PK Freeze are so OP in Ultimate. <laughs> oh, yes, they are. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've gotten yeah. so many KOs uh, just from the PK Freeze alone. It's like, oh, yeah. my God. It's so much different now. Um, yeah. Banjo is my main. Like, uh, oh, I, like, yeah. I love Ridley. Um, I like Hero a lot, but Banjo is just the, the most rounded character. And it's like, mm. wow. They made Banjo awesome. Gazooie are so that, fun that's, to use. That's who I'm just such a play. huge. I'm just so happy they're in the game. They're probably like my fourth or fifth best. I just, I playing as them and seeing them in Smash never fails to make me smile. Same. It's just so cool to see. Until them I start there. losing, and then I'm like, I, I would have made yeah. Simon or Richter one of my mains, but they're I, I got burned by the recovery too many times. They're like, really, I, they're I love them. I can do so well with them, but they can't recover, and at that, yeah, you're done. <laughs> Same. When you can get into like a good groove though with spamming their projectiles, you can be so annoying. Oh with yeah, Richter though. Yeah, you can just yeah, uh, ugh. yeah, super Love annoying. <laughs> but uh, cool. Well, that's uh, that about wraps things up for us tonight. So um, as always, we have to give a very special thanks to all our patrons at the producer tier uh, and above for helping to make this show happen because it would not be happening without all of you. And in addition, uh, an extra special thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier and above. Uh, and those fine folks include Rob Arman X, Dan Entwistle, Z Patty, Adam O'Sullivan, Floating Mew, Christopher, The D-Pad, Vesmio, OnStar, Dukeman, Diogo, Kieran Phillips, Benny Yao, Rosa Bowling, a.k.a. Mama Bowling, <laughs> uh, Geller, Shiny Turkey, uh, Titus Malvolio, or Titus Malvolio, Jake Pelka, Michael Phone, Mitchell Herring, Top Dog 23100, Jay Acosta, and Game Explain. So uh, remember, you also can become a Patreon over at pat- a patron over at patreon.com slash gbgaming, where for as little as $5 a month, you can watch today's news tonight live and interact with us, the GBG crew, and our special guests throughout the show, like our patrons have been doing today. So as always, guys, thank you so much for watching, and thank you uh, to those of us who joined us for the show live, and thank you, She Says, for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. So uh, until then, good night and good vibes, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.